All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 242. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors on winning their fourth chip. We're going to break down all the different faces of Clay Thompson. Who is going to go number one, number two, and number three in tomorrow's NBA draft? Kyrie Irving, watch. Where is this guy going to go? Clippers, Lakers, we don't care. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 242. It's a weird day out here in L.A., Drew. It's lightning. It's hot as shit. It's raining. If one more person, one more neighbor says to me, hey, this looks like earthquake weather. You know? Yeah, what is earthquake weather, guys? What what the (laughs) hell does that mean? But I'm sweating, and then the next minute I got a sweatshirt on, I don't know what's going on, dude. We, you know, we haven't had a big earthquake in a, in a minute, you know, knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, I, I was, I was in Northridge for the Northridge quake. I was uh, right by you. I, I was my literally, I think it was less than five miles from the epicenter and the house that I lived in at the time split in half dog. Like we had to evacuate that bitch. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm hoping we're not due for another San Andreas fault type of moment. Uh, if that's the case, we need the rock. Everyone's going to need the rock to come give them to, to come rescue them. Well, there's a reason why I keep a fresh pair of clothes and shoes out when I sleep is specifically from PTSD from from uh, earthquakes. Yeah. And, and dude, I think I brought this up on the show before. Like in our house, you know, my mom, nurse, nurse, uh, mama clips. We always had a designated place where we would all go when an earthquake happened. And, you know, we've yeah. had we had little ones and many ones. Yeah. And we'd all meet in the hallway under, you know, you're supposed to be under a doorway. Yes. And in Northridge, my pop sleeps naked, bro. So my <laughs> sister and I, we would we would be the fastest out because nobody wanted to be in front of dad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so pops didn't pops doesn't keep uh, an extra pair of clothes out. He doesn't like, have a like go I, bag. No, no, nah, dude. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> I was always I was always quick. I think that's where I get my first quick uh, first step from. Drew, get that first step. That'll that'll motivate you. Hey, so it's been uh, a little while since we last recorded. Uh, big shout out to the Golden State Warriors for pulling out uh, yet another championship in true champion fashion. Uh, before we get into them, I want to bring something up. First with the Boston Celtics. Um, they should be extremely happy with how far they came. All right. It was, they, it, they fizzled out at the end there in the finals. Uh, a lot of the other guys didn't show up. Jason Tatum had a really tough time. Uh, they, I, I think... You know, I think once the Warriors tasted blood in the water, I think they've, you know, really brought it together and figured out how to beat these guys. And that's what elite championship teams do. They figure they figure it out. They they prey on their weaknesses and they double down on what they're really good at, which in this case was defense focusing on Jason Tatum. And um, but I, I just think the Boston Celtics did such a great job this year, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and almost pulling it out, but they did not. Uh, one thing I wanted to do, cause I, I have to reel it back in for myself, Drew, cause you know, I was, I was very, very excited to potentially give Jason Tatum his superstar card. You know, you know where I stand as far as like, 
I, there's I, not I, a lot of them. No, there's not. And everybody wants to throw it out. This guy's a superstar. This guy's a superstar. Nah, dude, I need to see it in when the lights are on in the biggest moments in the playoffs. Jason Tatum was doing that for three for three rounds. And I wanted to give him this card, Drew. I I, I vicariously put put this card in his jacket pocket. I smacked him on his jacket pocket and I said, this is going to be yours, man, when you pull yeah. this out. And then after after game six, I went right back into his pocket and I gently pulled that bitch out. And I said, you know what, Jason, you're just not ready. Yet. Not ready yet. <laughs> you're not ready yet. You were so <laughs> close, man. I wanted to do it. Uh, but he is close, Drew. He's close. Yeah, he is close. He is close, and I think Jalen Brown was like, maybe I'll, maybe, maybe I can grab that. Yo, card. clips. Can I get one of those cards? Let me, Yo. let me, let me get a half. Can I get a half card? How do I? What do I do here? Because Jalen Brown was excellent <laughs> in Game Six, uh, and he was the one that went off when we all were, you know, kind of hoping that him and Tatum could could do something and force a Game Seven. Uh, but I mean, this one, it felt like it was over. In the first half, I mean, the Warriors ripped off that 21 nothing run and then we're just up by eight or 10 points at least throughout the rest of the game. And I think fizzled out, like you said, is probably the best way to describe what happened to the Celtics. And I and, you know, I, I have to we have to look back at their journey, something we talked about leading into the finals as a potential reason for why they fizzled out, man. They, they did not have an easy road. Uh, you know, they, they, they swept the nets, but it wasn't a traditional type of like sweep. I mean, it, you know, it was, it was very impressive, but all of those games, pretty much all those games were very close, right? Like it was a weird, it was a weird kind of sweep. We don't usually see that. And then, you know, then they have to go through the bucks and they have to go through the heat and those two teams just demolish people and they survived. But it just, you know, they just can't, they ran out of gas, man. I, you know, and I think something, something very in particular that we haven't necessarily talked about how injured the Celtics are and, and how much they're playing through. So I do want to tip the cap to Jason Tatum because, the, I mean, the man clearly had some shoulder problems going on in this playoffs. And certainly at times in the finals, it looks like he was in pain. Marcus Smart was fucking banged up the whole time, you know? So I Rob Williams, I, Al Horford, a lot of these guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Time Lord just couldn't get right. Like mm -hmm. he just couldn't play two games in a row without something being tweaked. So I do think they just kind of ran out of rope um, and it worked out great for the Warriors, man. They just, they did it um, and they did it in six games and I, they silenced that Boston crowd. Mm. And I got to say, man, you know, when we were leading up to that, when we were talking about in the last podcast, what game six could look like, I didn't think it was going to look like that, where, where just like the Celtics just didn't have anything left. And it feels like the Warriors um, deserved that fourth ring with, with the chaos and the nonsense that has happened to that franchise over the last couple of years. And, and, and really even including the Draymond punch to LeBron. Like, really, you know, I think – I don't know if they lose that series if Draymond plays, right? And, and so even going that far back and, of course, looking at the Toronto uh, Raptors victory that Kawhi, you know, sealed the deal for. Like, I, it, it, there's a really good chance that this is number six and not number four for this group. Uh, but, you know, sometimes in the finals – uh, one team's just better than the other. And that's, that's what we, that's what we ended up finding out in this, in this particular series, whether it was down to injury or fatigue or whatever, 
the Warriors were the better team. Yeah, and also like we we always bring up experience. Yeah, and it does. It means a lot, man. If you've been there before, you know exactly what it takes to get over the hump, or you know exactly what it takes to exploit other people's weaknesses, team weaknesses, right? If yeah. it was Draymond, you know, I was talking the whole time, the whole, the last four podcasts about Draymond getting, spending a lot of time getting in people's heads. Maybe that was a tactic and it worked. Where was Grant Williams? Nowhere. Zero. No, well, he was, he was real bad this whole <clears throat> finals, really. I mean, he, he was, was really a, bad. He was a no-show and I thought for sure he was going to be important. Right. And you were talking about the bullshit that, that the Warriors, first of all, 100%, they deserve to win this fourth ring. They, they definitely do. Uh, even Gary Payton coming back from elbow yeah. from hurting his elbow. And then the whole clay story, seeing clay hug his, his physical therapist, the guy that helped him get back from injury. Yeah. First thing after winning the title, that means something. And you can, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know if we call it a dynasty. I've referred to them as a dynasty. I think they are. I think so too. I think, I think they are. I don't know. I don't know what you need to be a dynasty. I don't know what it takes, but I know if you've been to the finals as many times as they have with that, their core, um, that's a dynasty to me. And it is. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also, it's also should, should be showing other teams in the NBA that this is how we do it. This is how it, this is how it goes. If you want to win a title, and, and build chemistry, you got to start with your core. And to see what Draymond and Clay, seeing those old, those old pictures of Draymond and Clay and, yeah. and Steph, and then even throw Iggy in there. Iggy was already old when he was with the team the first time. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's, just, it's just nice to see, man. And yeah. congr- congratulations to them. It's hard not to like them. It's hard to be like, oh, man, fuck the Warriors. Nah, yeah. Dude, yeah, just listen to Steve Kerr speak. Listen to Steph. I mean, Clay is – we're going to talk about Clay here in a minute. Let's Actually, let's just get into it. One, <laughs> there's one thing about the NBA Finals in winning it. Most people don't know how to celebrate it correctly, right? I thought the <laughs> last cele- the last greatest celebration – was like Shaq, Lakers, Mark Madsen doing the dance. Can Shaq, you dig it? Can, can you, you dig, dig it? it? Shaq rapping, right? Yes. And then we had like a little glimpse with with J.R. Smith and shirt off. Didn't yep. take a shirt off for four and a half months, which was cool. Yep. But this was something different, man. This <laughs> celebration was something different. It was lit. By day two, Andrew Wiggins looked like he was so exhausted. Oh, my God. Like, so physically, he Wiggins is probably a guy that definitely doesn't drink, right? He doesn't look like the guy that's like, yo, give me a vodka tonic. Nah, dude, <laughs> that guy sips cranberry juice at the bar 100%, right? Yeah, yeah. But not only did his eyes look blown, but he just looked tipsy as fuck. And rightfully so, man. You should Absolutely. Be. Absolutely. But the war, and even Steve Kerr said coming off the plane, man, I'm hungover, as you should be. <laughs> but I think, I think who takes the reign of this is our boy Clay, our boy Clay. And I, I, I was thinking about something yesterday, and I'm calling this the many faces of Clay Thompson, Drew. Okay. Drew's, Clay's got a lot of personalities, all right? So we have, we have Splash Bro Clay, which is the most recognizable Clay, right? This is your Splash Brother Clay. This is your everyday Clay. Everyday Clay, right, that we see all the time. Then we got Game 6 Clay which is a whole different kind of beast on the basketball court. You're like, holy shit. Except, times, for, except for this game six, by the way. Definitely not this game six. Yeah, we didn't see. We, he didn't hit, this, this clay did not show up for game six. No, nah, but he's talked about. It was brought up a lot, oh, game six clay. It, it's historic. It's, because, a, it's historic. Totally. And it, it, it's a different person. Game six clay yep. looks like. Yeah, ask Kevin Durant. 
as KD. Looks like <laughs> one of the best players in the NBA. And then we got one of my favorites. We have China Clay, right? China Clay on vacation is just that was that was a hilarious run for Clay. Trying a 360 dunk when he's never done it before in his life. <laughs> Let's try it here, right? Yeah. Uh, then we have my new personal favorite, which is Captain Clay. Clay on the boat, rocking the skipper hat. Yes. Uh, living his best life. Didn't he dive into the water saying wanted to become one oh, with yeah. water? No, I mean, he moved. I mean, this is the thing. Like when the Warriors shifted from Oakland to San Francisco, Clay moved. He right. was in Oakland. He was up in the Oakland Hills. I don't know. I, he might still have that house. I don't know. Uh, but he, he lives across the bay. I believe he lives in Tiburon or Sausalito, one of those places that's on the other side of the Golden Gate, just north of the city. So he can boat, literally boat in to the arena. And then he's got his bike waiting for him. And then he bikes his ass in. There. Absolutely. Damn yeah, it, parts did I that boat and then bikes in. It's it's one of the coolest things. <laughs> I, I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. Did I forget to put cyclist clay on here? Is that a person? I would I we don't nah. have enough. I don't think we have enough evidence. <laughs> no, uh, you're right. Of cyclist clay. We have but, plenty but of he evidence. Did, he wrote he wrote a, a bike into one of the games. I remember yeah, that. he does it all the time. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking is he has a bike ready for him at the dock. And then he, might, bike, he could have it on the boat. He could have the bike on the boat and then totally just bike could. dock it and bike the bike it in from there. And now we have the last face, the last face of Clay Thompson, which I think now is everybody's favorite. And this is drunk as fuck, yeah. Clay Thompson, because that's exactly what this guy did this past weekend. And it was <laughs> the most funniest shit I've ever seen. So not only did this guy literally stumble and Reggie White barrel over a chick, right? Yes. Uh, knocked that chick over. We see him doing the Michael Jackson dance. Yes. We see him on the bu- on the bus. Anything is possible with the bottle yes. of Henny. Yes. Um, we see him almost lose his ring. Yep. Right. Almost somebody almost snatched it. I mean, he was a hot mess, Drew. He was all over the place, and it was fantastic. And and I do think uh, the some of the best celebrations. I know I know what you're saying. Like going back in history, some of the some of the celebrations have, have been more uh, muted than others. But NBA players, to your point about Wiggins, I think in general, most NBA players don't drink, mm-hmm. right? This is something that I think um, football players get away with a little bit more. They go out and they have, especially the O-line, the D-line, those oh, guys just baseball crush players, town, town beers. Baseball players can do it during a game. I feel like they can crack <laughs> Bud Lights on the bench in the dugout. No problem. Hockey players, the same mm-hmm. thing. Like, you know, there's a drinking kind of mentality almost uh, that, that is coincided with the sport. And with its fan base, but basketball players in general, like I always remember Mike, Michael, Michael Jordan talking about how, you know, he doesn't he never, never really drank before, you know, he, he got to Chicago. And even then he wasn't, he wasn't really about the alcohol. So when they do drink, when they get that champagne, <laughs> which is champagne for all the drinkers out there, everybody knows that gets you, that gets you toasted mm-hmm. real fast. And all the women out there, they know that, but you know, brunch, you get those, you get those mimosas flowing. By the time 11 o'clock rolls around, you you can't even walk out the restaurant. Uh, and so watching NBA players be drunk when they're not used to drinking is one of my favorite things. I could watch it all day. I literally could watch it all day long. And it in clay is the epitome of what we're talking about here. It was that picture we posted on our page of Wiggins, like in the middle that and he's just barely smiling. He just looks defeated. And back to what you're saying about NBA players don't drink. I mean, they definitely like their wine. Wine's like the new thing yeah. now, which is fine, but I'll never forget like red, uh, 
Blake was sponsored by Red Bull for a long time. Yep. And Blake's and Blake, I remember in interviews, like I've never had one. Like he's not yeah. putting that shit in his body. Yeah, right. right? All exactly. that sugar. Like you don't get to look like Blake Griffin by drinking <laughs> fucking a, a 12er every night and, yeah. and vodka right. cranberries. He'd look like Clips and Drew. That's what he would look like if he was That's doing exactly right. That's exactly right. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, but if and especially yeah, we are the poster, we are the poster children of basketball players that drink. We we we're we're setting new standards every day. <laughs> One hundred percent. I think Clay had a little extra on it, though, just because of what he's come from and what he battled back from. And can't blame him. Can't blame him, man. And and that's what it's all about. Winning a chip is the ultimate goal when you play basketball, when you play in the NBA. Winning a championship is what it's all about. And doing it with the same squad that brought you in with your brothers. People doubted you for so long. We doubted them, too. I mean, after last year. I mean, there was talk like, well, Clay's coming back. What kind of Clay? Anyways, yep. it was big for them. I'm excited for our friend Jeff Crompton, big yes. time uh, Warriors fan. Uh, so I do think that the Warriors have some things they have to, when the party's over, they have some things that they have to address. And I kind of wanted to get your take on this. You know, Wiggins needs to get a bag. Gary Payton uh, is coming up for free agency. Um, Looney, Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole Looney. Uh, Otto Porter, who I think out of all of them, that's the one that's going to be gone. And I think people are going to want Otto Porter. But we've also seen what their payroll is, dude. And it's yeah. astronomical. It's like 300 something million dollars right now, yeah. which is way above the tax bracket. And I think Windhorse came out and, and was like hating on the Warriors for winning the chip and was like, oh, no, he bought the ch- they bought the chip. And I'm like, so fucking what? They that's drafted what you- the chip. That's see, that's bullshit. You can't say you bought the chip if all of the core players you drafted that those 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 are incongruous. They do not go together. And I can understand Windhorse's point. Mm-hmm. Yes, they spent a lot of money. Yes, they're well into the tax. But so is like, I don't know, 50 percent of the league. Like, mm-hmm. look at the Nets and the Lakers. They had much higher payrolls than the Warriors did. They didn't. Neither team won a playoff game this year. Right. So, you know, saying they bought the championship is a, is a sucker's way of explaining this. And, and to me, it's just historically inaccurate. Uh, they spent very little amount of money on the free agents that they brought in, right? Uh, yeah, they paid, the, they paid their core, right? Yeah. They gave them their value. Yes. And then they spent little on bringing in the pieces that they needed, being Correct. Gary Payton, Otto Porter, Damian Lee, these for Bielitsa. Bielitsa, yes. Yeah, all those guys. All those guys are getting paid very, very minimal amounts of money. So don't you and, feel, though, that running it back, right? And obviously the Warriors are going to be uh, they're going to be talked about as, as being a team that's going to be there next season. But there are big parts of this team in GP2 who they loved a lot. Looney was huge for them in the playoffs. You got to see like how important a big man who can rebound and actually have some rim protection is. Uh, do I think Looney is a is a 20 million dollar guy? I don't. But. What do you do now? Like, who who is the the first asset that you try to resign? Because if if Gary Payton say he opts, I don't know what his deal is with the contract. Can he opt out? Can he opt in? But a lot of teams are going to want him. A lot of teams are going to want Looney. So who do you think would be first on the list? Well, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. I think the first on the list is Draymond Green. And what I mean by that is, you know, Steph was the one who took less money in the beginning to make sure that everything could stay copacetic and stay with this group. Uh, and Draymond Green had a, a very nice game six, hit some big shots, played really well. But he's owed $25 million next year. 
and he's on 27.5 the following year. It's a player option. We assume he'll opt in for something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but I think the way that they could potentially do this is extend Draymond and um, maybe spread out some of that money and, and extend him on a, on a, on a team uh, fa- a favorable team kind of a extension where it's not astronomical. Draymond Green is no longer a hundred million dollar man. And I think that's a fair assessment. It is of his abilities at this point, especially with a lingering back problem that he, he went through this year. I know it started out as a leg, but then, you know, anytime the back is involved, I mean, Michael Porter, <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. Is a, is a prime example. Like anytime your back is involved, shit can go sideways at the drop of a hat. Someone knocks into you the wrong way or you do something weird, you fall. It can very easily be aggravated and potentially lead to a very elongated absence. So I think the the easiest way out of this for the Warriors is working on a team favorable deal with Draymond Green on an extension. It spreads some of that money out, still keep him locked up because they obviously they want him to to stay and finish Um, there. Finish. Yeah. Finish your career out there. Mm I think that's I think that's the, the the right way to do it. And if anything, the Warriors have shown, like you said, the right way to do things. And I think this could be an option for Draymond to also like kind of reciprocate with what with what Steph did mm-hmm. and go, you know, Steph it's took his the turn. Lumps. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and do we want to keep this together? The answer should be yes. Mm-hmm. So let me be the one, you know, that maybe finesses this a little bit. Uh, granted, between him, Clay, and Steph, Draymond has definitely gotten the the least amount of money. So maybe it's Clay, but I know Clay. You know, I, I that one's more difficult to me uh, than than Draymond. Uh, but I think in doing so that, op, you know, obviously that would open up some things for them uh, in potentially allowing to, you know, uh, re-sign Wiggins to to a pretty, pretty substantial deal, who also was a hundred million dollar man. But I do think the conversation that you've presented is one that is going to be had like Bob Myers and Joe Lacob and, and all, you know, the front office guys up there. They're going to have to make some decisions, but counter to the Phoenix Suns and their owner, Robert Sarver, Robert Sarver, uh, Joe Lacob has shown that he's willing to spend, right? That money's coming out of his pocket. He's a billionaire. So he's shown, obviously, that he's willing to spend into the luxury tax because he wants to keep this team together, because he wants to forge this organization into a continued dynasty, very much like the Spurs, where they go 18 seasons and every single season they're making the postseason and they're in it for a championship or they're, or they're, or they're coming close, they're sniffing one. Um, I think that that potentially is maybe the only answer in order for them to keep Wiggins and Poole and Looney. Otherwise, you're right. Someone's going to get cut. And, and interestingly enough, it actually might be James Wiseman more than any of these other guys. Because if you get James Wiseman off those books – that's a pretty that's a pretty big chunk of change that you can go ahead and, and and shift to somebody else. Yeah, but he's also on a rookie a rookie deal right now, so it's the cheapest. No, but the rookie deal he was he was still number two, so that's still right. expensive because the rookie ladder is he's getting a lot of money. <laughs> right, but okay, so you the three hundred million is a lot, and I think it's more than that. It's three hundred plus uh, for the Warriors. Now Wiggins earned his paycheck too, right? One hundred percent. He was the Wig- second best player that entire yes. time, and he deserves his money too. Yeah. So what does that mean? And how much farther is that going to take? Cause he's part of the future now too. If you really want pool and you want GP and you want Wiggins, like how much deeper in the pockets are you going to have to go Be- before it's just like outrageous. Right. And Steph isn't going to play forever. And clay isn't going to play forever. And Draymond's probably got to, you know, I don't know how many more years Draymond has. 
So what do you do? Well, and so uh, uh, Wiggins is still under contract for next year. Uh, he's owed $33.6 million next year. Andrew Wiggins is. Mm-hmm. So potentially if, if, if the Warriors finesse this and tell Wiggs kind of the same thing, it's like, okay, you know, do you, do you want to stay and build and, and have this be your home? Uh, maybe we can offer you a contract and a nice contract extension, but, but it's not going to be, you know, north of 150. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it, they have to be reasonable. And I think this is, the, this is a, um, an interesting part of, of successful organizations in the NBA during this era is like all this money is flying around. So it's really hard to keep your core, to keep guys there because the money is it's everywhere. I mean, and, and, and the, the, the list of suitors for Andrew Wiggins has never been longer, right? It's never been longer. Same with Jordan Poole right now too, though. Jordan Poole as well. But I think, you know, obviously even more than that, Wiggins was so important to this Warriors team and showed that he is a two-way player much more than anyone ever expected um, in the last two seasons, really, but this one in particular. So to me, priority wise, you got to keep Wiggins. You have, if the Warriors are going to do what they're going to do, Wiggins is the one they need to lock. And then, you know, it's the, it's the other guys, right? Yeah, so but like, so what, those what other do you guys... do with Looney? What do you do with Poole? What do you do with Wiseman and Moody and Kaminga? Like what and are GP. you going to do? And, and GP's, GP's the easiest one, dude, because I do think that they can just slide him in with a, with a two-year vet men. And I don't oh. think he would, I don't think he would run away from that. I don't know because this is also their first opportunity to make real money. Gary Payton Jr. has been trying to make, make it in the NBA for the past seven years or whatever it's been. Right. And this is your first time, your first opportunity to get a bag. Jordan Poole might never, never get this opportunity to like, if Atlanta is like, Hey man, we, we want to give you $123 million. You know, you kind of have to take that. So, and while- I think they will let him do that. I mean, that, I think that that's, that's the, that's the thing that I'm saying. Like right now we know that keeping everyone is just, it's probably impossible. It's, mm-hmm. it's probably impossible. But then that's where Bob Myers, Joe Lacob, Steve Kerr, those guys need to prioritize. You got to list them out and you got to go, okay, we're going to keep these guys. If, if the money works, if they're willing to take those kinds of favorable deals uh, and then promise them as they have in the past, their players that will pay you on the back end. Like, cause once that Steph contract goes, once that clay contract goes and Wiggs is maybe say Wiggs gets an extension for four years, that's on a reasonable thing. By the time that's up, Steph and, and the rest will probably be out. Right. You got to assume if, if Wiggins signs a four-year deal, that makes Steph 36. 30, he's he's 30, 33 or 34 now, Clips. 30, so it's 37, 38. Same yeah. thing with Dre. And so, like, you know, by That's that time, maybe it's maybe it's time to, to dissolve that core uh, and then and then look elsewhere. So I it is it, it's definitely a difficult conversation, uh, but it's one that I think the Warriors are potentially the most capable of having because of the resources. And because they treat the they treat their players right, and and I think that's noticed around the league. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. It'll be interesting to see what kind of money some of these guys might get thrown at them, though, like potentially, Definitely. you know. And how do you match that? So, congrats to the Warriors. It's going to be huge. I if you think they can make it back next year, think they got another run? Yes, I, I do. do. I, I mean, I'm I'm not predicting that they're going to mm-hmm. win another title next no, year. Things. Things like so, just like we talked about, like briefly there, like what the Celtics run was, it's okay to rehash the fact that the Warriors had a much easier path to the finals. Uh, and they didn't have to see Phoenix in, in the Western Conference final. They had Luka, 
you know, and that worked out great for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do think, you know, when Steph, uh, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins now in that four, when they are healthy, you can't rule them out from making a Western Conference run, making a finals run or winning a championship. If all four of those guys are back, I also know that if they lose Looney and if they lose Porter, they lose Poole, this team is also going to attract a lot of those guys that might be willing to take a minimum kind of a deal to go win a ring. Right. So I do think that they won't be lost for options if if they prioritize correctly. Yeah. It's crazy. Like the money you were just saying, and it just came, came to me while we were talking, but like, I know, uh, who was it going after PJ Tucker right now? Who's the one goes it? Who's going after PJ right now? Not my well, PJ, PJ opted out of his player option and is going to become a free agent. No, Philly is going to offer PJ 30 million for three years. He's 37. So like you're going <laughs> to at 40 because they want this guy right now. They think he's a missing piece and they're willing to overpay for PJ Tucker. Like whatever. Good I for think PJ. No, I agree. And I honestly think it's a good segue going into what we're going to talk about next. I think the next few weeks are going to be crazy in the NBA as far as trades, uh, people opting in, opting out. And so we're one day away from the draft. The draft is tomorrow. Uh, we are going to do our own, you know, take on the draft on our next show. But there's a couple things I want to bring up. I think there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of movement within the next 24, 48 hours right now. I think we're going to be seeing more trades tomorrow Yeah, uh, during during uh, the broadcast, but there's a lot of people that are trying to move up. So we've heard within the past week, like Indiana's trying to move Brogdon and Turner, right? They want Jaden Ivey. And I want to be put on record really quick. I want us to come, I'll be able to come back to what I'm about to say right now. I personally think that the number one pick in the draft should be Jaden Ivey. I think in five years, six Whoa. years, I'm saying it right now. I think in five years, six years, two years, three years, we are going to be looking back at this draft like like podcasters and analysts do. We're like, oh, I would have traded him. I would have, you know, if I knew what I knew now, I would have picked Donovan Mitchell third or you know what I mean? I think Jaden Ivey is the one. And I think I understand uh, Orlando doesn't necessarily need him. Right. uh, And and I understand that. I think he'd be great for OKC. I really do. But I'm just calling it right now. Jaden Ivey is the one. And in, in, in a couple years, or even, the, you know how everybody's already saying they should have taken Ja over Zion, right? It's going to be like one of those things, in my personal opinion. So I want to get that out of the way. Now, a lot of teams are trying to move up to get him. Like I just said, Indiana's looking to move Brogdon and Turner. Uh, Charlotte has the 13 to 15th pick. And they're trying to create cap space to pay Miles Bridges. They want to keep Miles and uh, LaMelo together, right? And Miles, although his album sucked and he's smoking <laughs> weed and drinking lean right now, they want to pay him a lot of money. So I guess to make LaMelo happy, whatever LaMelo They're doing wants. it for the culture, Clips. They're doing, they're, they're for, the doing culture. it for the culture. I get it. But like they're also, they have 13 and 15, which is pretty big, but it's, uh, those are not the most coveted picks at 13 right. and 15, right? They <laughs> want to move up to the top seven. Um, they're also willing to dish Rozier, Ubre, PJ, Plumlee. Everybody's up for grabs, basically. Um, Atlanta, who I think is going to be making the most moves tomorrow, they've been trying to dish John Collins for a minute. Uh, they want to get up in the draft to get Dyson Daniels. Collins and Bogdanovich are up for grabs. The Knicks, who also want Jaden Ivey. I'm telling you, dude, a lot of teams want this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're willing to give up everybody, right? 
And uh, I know you had mentioned before we started the show, like, man, what about Julius Randle? It's like too bad. Nobody fucking wants Julius Randle right now. Right. And it's so <laughs> crazy how you go from an all NBA season to just now nobody wants you and you have a contract that you can't trade. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting. I think uh, in the next 48 hours, who do you think will make the first move? Who do you think is going to move first, even though we had a trade today or we had Portland got Jeremy Grant for basically free. They got a number one pick in, from Milwaukee in 2020 the first round pick first round, first pick, round. Not a number one pick no first round pick in 2025 and I like it I like Jeremy Grant in Portland with Dame I think it's a move in the right direction I think they need more yeah they should have done that when they had CJ I mean that would have been great <laughs> but maybe maybe a little too little too late at this point um and uh, I, I mean, assuming Damian Lillard's stomach abdomen problem is better, uh, Jeremy's going to have to shoot a little bit less than he was shooting in Detroit. But uh, there have been a lot of moves, to your point already. We saw Jermichael Green go to Oklahoma City. We saw uh, Christian Wood go to Dallas. That's huge. Let's and- talk about that for a second. Sure. We had, and I texted you right when it happened. Yep. Uh, and I said, wow, I really like this. You're like, I really like this too. And you know, we were expecting, you know, maybe he'll get Gobert, maybe he'll get yep. Vucevic or somebody like this. But no, nah, they went with Christian Wood, which I think is perfect for for Luca. The lob threat of Christian Wood alone is something that he hasn't had ever. Luca hasn't had that yet. And the fact that he could stretch the floor. Christian Wood yep. can hit the three. He likes to bang on the boards, do the dirty stuff that that Luca doesn't want to do or doesn't have. Uh, you, over 82 games, it's tough for Luca to be doing all of that shit. So I think it takes a lot of pressure off of Luca. Did you like the trade? Yeah, I think Christian Woods uh, just a better version of Maxi Kleba, mm-hmm. and Maxi did great for them. So if Christian Wood, if you can keep Maxi and Christian Wood, you got a you got a nice little one two coming like coming that. there. They they might even be able to play together on the same court because they can space the floor. Uh, but at the very least, you'll have Wood starting and, and Maxi coming off the bench, which is fantastic. Both guys can hit the three. Both guys can roll pretty good with some confidence and 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 they play know, defense. And yeah, they're not afraid to play defense. They're not afraid to rebound. I I I was surprised to see Christian Wood be the one that they picked because I've been hearing all this stuff about Gobert and different centers. Uh, but I think actually that could be a, a very dynamic change for them and somebody that you know we'll see. I mean, Christian Wood has had a very interesting career to say the least, right? Like he wasn't drafted and came over from China, uh, you know, and then was on Detroit and then it immediately traded him to, uh, you know, uh, Houston. And that, that was a shit show. Like when he showed up, James Harden was still there. And now, you know, that's all different. <laughs> so I think, you know, Christian Wood should be quite happy to be moving within the same state. Still no prize, you know, still no sales tax, by the way, uh, uh, income tax, no income tax there, by the way. So that's uh, he stays within Texas, which is nice. And he's going to play with arguably the best, I would say I would say it's not even arguable. He's the best under 25 player in the NBA without a doubt. Luka Doncic. So, um big big move for Dallas. I'm excited to see what that looks like. And I also think um they might not be done, you know, tinkering and moving around a little bit because they have some space. Uh but big big move and I didn't I it was unexpected for me. I didn't I didn't see it coming and they they didn't have to give up anything. Like no. I mean they gave up like Trey Boban. Burke. Yeah, they give, they give a Boban and like a, a first and Trey rounder. Burke. Yeah, Trey Burke was in there. It's like, man, that's I. I mean, Houston got a little hosed in in my opinion. Like they let that guy go for a little too cheap. But uh, if you're Mark Cuban, that's that's a very savvy deal. Um, and I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah, too bad. I mean, two things. I'm going. I'm going to miss 
Boban and Luca, because that shit yeah. was funny. They were yeah. BFFs. I still keep on my phone that clip from the playoffs this year where Luca's just yelling at Boban. Boban! Boban! Yeah. In, the, in two line layups. It's so funny to me. It makes me laugh every single time. Yes. And the other thing I'm excited about is it's June. And I'm seeing Luca put in the work in the gym. Oh my and God! I'm Did seeing him see put it? in the work. He's, he's moving the sled. He, I'm telling you, dude. This is, is early sinking in, Drew. This is early for Huka Luca. I think this is early working out for him. I think maybe it's finally been embedded in his brain. Like shit, dude. I need to. I need to bulk up a little bit. I need to get my physicals right. And I think that's like we were just talking about teams that are willing to spend. I think Cuban's willing to spend to bring in the guys that Luca needs. And look, I didn't even know Christian Wood was on the board. I didn't know he was available. Yeah. And so maybe it was a little, it was a little like sideline deal where Cuban's like, Hey man, I'll give you, I'll give you Bobby and a, and a Trey Burke, but take him right. Go ahead. We're going nowhere in Houston. You want Christian Wood? Take him. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I also think that's something that happened to Houston, right? Like they were like, okay, cool. We'll bring in Christian Wood and we'll have a Harden Christian Mm. Wood thing. And they, I don't think they expected Harden to have that, that sharp left turn to be like, actually, uh, I no longer want to live in Houston. I don't, I don't like it here anymore. Um, and so I think just as they were, you know, as we were all kind of caught off guard, certainly Houston, I have to assume was also caught off guard by Harden's immediate like 180 and, and forcing his way out. So uh, needless to say, I don't think, I don't think bringing in Christian Wood to the Rockets was a bad move, but it turned out to be the move that they didn't need to make uh, it, you know, when, they, when it all, when all the dust settled. Um, very excited to see Luca working on his body already. Mm-hmm. If that dude shows up in shape, like we've said, mm-hmm. he will win an MVP. If he shows up in shape and plays sooner than later or whatever, 75 games, you know, cause some, sometimes shit will happen. Uh, but if he plays, you know, 70 to 75 games and he's in shape, I can imagine him averaging a triple double and it not looking like Russell Westbrook where he's telling everybody to stop rebounding so he can get the rebounds, right? Like I can imagine him actually just doing that. And then winning with his squad and not being like, you know, at 500 or what have you. But very excited to see him do that. I would love to see that throughout the summer. Um, and I would love to see what he looks like. Dude, can you just imagine? I can't. We've never seen it. We've never no. seen him look come in and look just like svelte and like ripped. He's never looked that way ever. And I just think his game is just going to grow exponentially. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, over, I'm overly excited about it because I just, I, the, 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 there is no ceiling for this guy. That's the thing. Like there's, there's, a, there's ceilings for almost every single player in the NBA. There's no ceiling for Luka Doncic if he comes in and he's, and he's healthy and he's in shape. Uh, so I'm, I'm yeah. pumped. And Christian Wood should be super fucking stoked. He's going to have so many open shots. His game's going to be so easy. It's going to be so easy for dunks. him. Yeah, that's going to be easy, easy money for Christian Wood. He'd probably be an all-star, honestly. If he's going to be on Luka's team, he's going to have production at the 25 and 12. He might you, be an all-star. Do you know what it's, what it's like going from Jalen Green to Luka Doncic? Like, do you know how happy this guy's got to be, bro? seriously and kevin porter jr and jalen green by the way that's what i'm saying that's a that's a that's a a two-headed barrel right there you know he christian wood is like peace y'all i'm out ghost good luck i'm out of here i'm taking that i'm taking the 10 i'm I'm taking the slovenia sliding over to dallas (laughs) hey really quick though like i don't even think luca needs to be ripped to 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 get to that no. next level, I just need I want to see him in in shape. And but like, but but even imagine like what happens if he does show up ripped. Like I mean, he's saying he's strong enough as it yeah. is. He's already stronger than most people. Yeah. I just want to see like thirteen pounds lighter and yes. a little and a little more uh, up top. That's all I want, and it's actually all I want for me. I need to lose thirteen <laughs> pounds a little a little. All I want to, to lose thirteen, so maybe I should get on the Luca diet. 
Um, oh, shit. I, well, I just the last thing is like you saw how many times he was dunking at the end of the season, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was it, 10 times more dunks than at the first half of the season. And that that's how just, you tell if a player's healthy or yep. not and feeling good, right? Yep. And and for him, he's 6'8". He should be finishing on those on those types of plays, like where he doesn't have to slow down, which is he's so good at. But when mm-hmm. he can power through and then yam on you with two mm-hmm. hands, whoo, that's gonna be a boy. Problem. It's gonna be that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. That's gonna be real tough for anybody to guard. I agree. Um, I but think back to it, your point. Back to your mm-hmm. point about Jaden Ivy, which is I, I clips. I, I that was the last name that I thought you were gonna say should, oh, no. should be number one. I, I think athletically speaking. He's unmatched in this draft. I think he's the most athletic player we have in this draft. Is that is that kind of where you're going with this? Is no, that, I'm is going that... with this guy has got the alpha, give me the fucking rock, Westbrook Morant mentality type dude that his game translates perfectly to any team in the NBA. Now, saying that, fit is so important, right? Fit is extremely important. Like we were just saying, like if 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 Houston at three took Jaden Ivy, it makes no sense for me because then you just have right. three super hyper athletic dudes that want the ball at all fucking times. It does not work, right? I'm saying this too. In my on my draft board, I have him going fifth. I'm praying he goes fifth to Detroit because the only reason I'm doing it is because I think Sacramento is going to fuck it up and they're <laughs> going to go with they're going to go with fit over the best player available, right? And there's a reason why a lot of these teams are trying to trade to get Ivy. I just, I just think this kid is special, and mm. for what he brings to a team, um, is is it works so well if he just plays his game. There's definitely, look, how do you turn turn down a six ten shooter in Jabari, right? How do you turn down seven two Chet? You know my feelings about Chet, right? I'm just, uh, I, he's also from what I heard, uh, Babcock, our friend Babcock on Alex Kennedy's podcast. And mentioned that Chet didn't send his medicals to Orlando or to Houston. Like he wants to go to OKC. Most likely OKC is going to take him. I know you always choose the fo- the footer that can shoot over the hyper athletic dude, but yeah. I just think this guy's special. And I think in a few years looking back, and I again, this could be a Mo Bamba pick for me because you know yeah. I love Mo Bamba, <laughs> but everything I see from Jaden Ivey um, is is something special, and yeah. I, I I would trade the house for him. Yeah, and 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 I think before we went into the Christian Wood stuff, you asked me who do I think will make the first move, uh, and I think it's Orlando actually. Clips, I think I think Orlando sees a moment here where they can back up in the draft and still maybe get the guy that they want. And I don't know who the fuck they want. That's the that's the that's the tough part. Is like, you know, are they doing a good job of keeping their cards close to the vest and not and not actually you know telling who they want, like the way that the Lakers did with Lonzo Ball, right? Like the Lakers were out and out, be like, yeah, we're taking Lonzo too. And then the Celtics were like, dope. We'll, we'll, we'll trade with the Sixers. We'll take Tatum at three mm-hmm. because you guys are already locked in at Lonzo. And we know that the Sixers want Markel Fultz. So, you know, I, I see, you know, and that's, been, and that's been written about, it's been talked about. So this is not an original idea for me, but it is something that I think is quite sound. But I just don't know like where the front office is. And I think that's, that's the fun part is I think Orlando could be the one that goes, hey, who wants who wants number one? Like, you know, who, who wants Paolo? Who wants Chet? Because we're, we're willing to go a different route. Now, the draft has ebbed and flowed as we've moved closer and closer to it, and it started out with those three guys, Jabari, Paolo, Chet. 
as one, two, and three in some order, right? Like for the most part, that's what people have identified as the top tier, the cream of the crop. And then Jade Nivey has always been like kind of just on the precipice underneath that with a couple other guys um, like Keegan Murray and some others. Um, but I don't know un until, until Orlando comes out and says, uh, we, you know, we've, we've identified Jabari Smith or we have identified Paolo Bancaro as our number one. I, I'm excited to see, you know, what strings are going to be pulled because I do think we could be in for a, you know, a redo of the 2017 draft. I, I personally think that this is a really, really important decision by Orlando because this is one of these weird drafts, right? And, and sorry to cut you off. Orlando should not draft Jaden Ivey. No, no, I get so this that. Is, I think this is the point that, I'm, I, that I was trying to get to to close it. Mm -hmm. was while I agree that Jaden Ivey might actually turn out to be the best player, potentially, like he certainly has the highest, you know, a very high ceiling. Orlando at number one should definitely not take him for, for his sake and for theirs because they have a backlog of guards that they need to fucking figure out before they draft another one similar to Sacramento. I agree with that. I'm saying in hindsight, like looking back at this in a few years, when you do the redraft, that's what I think. Now, look, I, it's a very important pick for Orlando because this is a tough draft. There isn't a Zion. There isn't a LeBron. There is, this is going to be difficult. There's a lot of tweeners in this draft. There's a lot of Swiss army knife kind of guys that like can bring a lot to your team. But in my personal opinion, and even with Orlando, they got the guards. They got, we got Suggs, we got Cole Anthony, we got Markel. And then you got bigs, you got Wendell, you got uh, Jonathan Isaac still there, right? But with, with Jabari at 6'10", who can stroke that thing, a 6'10 shooter that can shoot like, you know, it's, it's why Kevin Durant's such a great shooter because he can shoot over everybody, right? He's got a mm. nice post game too. And the other thing he's really good at is entry passes, which we brought up, likes to throw the lob to the big. There's two bigs there. I think no matter what, you take Jabari. That's my, that's my take. Mm. You have to take Jabari at number one. Uh, I understand people's infatuation with Chet. Yeah. The only thing that bothers me about Chet is I, I see the versatility in Chet. I see that we've been watching him like LaMelo since he was a freshman in high school, right? Yep. And his handle with the rock, the way he shoots the ball, um, he can pass, he can run the floor, he can go coast to coast. It's impressive, man. He it's can defend. Really, he can defend. There's two things that bug me. He's actually he's probably the best defender in, in the yep. draft, right? Yep. Rim protection is a big thing. Obviously, at 195, that scares me. I, I have 25 pounds on this cat, okay? And I'm <laughs> I six I don't want to tell tall. you how many I got. Well, <laughs> okay, Drew, to me, 195, that's tiny. You're that's a tiny light. dude. That's it's, light work. You that's are light, light work, bro. <laughs> you're light work. I got you in the post, son. I mean, I, I'm not saying I can take Chet Holmgren in no, the no, post. No, no, he'll still block the shot, but we can back him down. <laughs> I, okay? So the, the weight frustrate everybody it's the main concern right and in my personal opinion he it's going to be difficult to go against even the average like even going against Zubak is going to be difficult right because you're going to be outweighed by a lot of guys yes you're quick and whatnot the other thing that scared scares me and you can work on bulking up right you can definitely you can, you and can, he, he, he will he'll naturally bulk as he as he gets into the league he will yes um but the other thing that bugs me is watching you know watching all the film that I've been watching there's a lot of times, man, he falls very awkwardly. Yeah. Like very awkwardly, whether it's a fadeaway in the paint, whether yep. it's going up to block a shot, whether it's banging on somebody. And at 195, being that skinny, 
it it scares me a little bit and we know what the the history is of there's not too many high flying seven one dudes man that don't hang out in the paint that just hang out in the paint and block shots all day this guy likes to get out there and run yep and i think that's a concern for me i think that Jaden Ivey would be great in OKC having backcourt with Jaden and, or even Paolo at, at two uh, looks good to me, but you can't turn down the set and he wants to go to OKC. I get that. So those are my only two concerns with me is fragility and just the weight. Everything else looks, looks great. I agree. I, and, and obviously that's everyone's concern with mm-hmm. chat, right? This is not new news. You look at the guy and you go, Holy shit. Mm-hmm. What is this? Like, <laughs> like what kind of experiment, were they just poking the pituitary gland on a five-two guy, and this is what happened? Like he just stretched out, and he just can't eat. You know, I can't put any muscle on. I, I look. I think the fun part for Orlando, like if we're just gonna, if we're gonna focus on the number one pick, the three guys that we talking about here, excluding Jaden Ivey, because they can't do a guard. In my opinion, they should no, not I draft agree. a guard in this draft. It should be one of those three forwards slash center guys. Uh, I think all three will help them. Right. Like at the bottom line, the bottom line is I think any of the three that they pick should improve their roster, whether it's Jabari and you've got a little stretch wing who can shoot it and, you know, maybe play a little bit of defense as he grows. And I mean, shit, Orlando has already seen Richard Lewis. So if, if there's anybody that knows what Jabari's ceiling is, maybe it's Orlando. It's a good comparison. I like that. And that's that's that seems to be the 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 number one comparison that I've seen from oh. scouts and analysts. They, mm-hmm. they all think that this guy has a Richard Lewis type of of game which is great i mean richard lewis was was oh man that guy was so good uh but richard lewis always wanted uh, i think always left a little on the table we wanted more out of richard if you know what i'm saying right because he was that six nine six ten and was a great shooter and you know had some handle but but never really i don't think reached his full potential even though he had some incredible seasons in seattle and in orlando uh so paolo also could slide right in. No problem. Slide right in. You can play him with Wendell. You can play him, you know, as a small ball center if you wanted to. I think he's, to me, he's the most physically ready of the three. Uh, Paolo, Jabari, and and Chet. He's the most physically ready for the NBA. And I don't think that kid's scared of anything, Paolo Bancaro. Mm-hmm. I think he's known for a while that he's going to be in the league, and I think he's trying to prove it. And by going to Duke and playing with those players – I think you got a good taste of what it's going to be like to play on an NBA team where the ball is not always in your hand the way that it was in, in college or in high school, excuse me. And then the same thing for Chet. If they do draft Chet, awesome. He'll slide in and he should improve. And 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 again, they've had Mo Bamba, like you said. So they they should know a little bit about what to look out for and things to help improve with a guy of that strength, of that length, and that size. Uh, so either way, I think it, it should be a slam dunk for the Orlando Magic. The problem is when you go first, sometimes you end up with Greg Oden and sometimes that's what next, I'm saying. That's what sometimes I'm saying. Number two ends up with Kevin Durant. And that's that's the hard part about the draft It's the hardest part about the draft is because there's only so much you can you can look into the future. There's no nobody's got the crystal ball. Uh, no, but I, why the draft I, is such a crapshoot. I think, like you said, though, even all those top three are interchangeable on any one of the top three teams. You know what I mean? Even if even if Jabari goes third to to Houston, right? Yep. Which I don't think he'll drop that far, but he would fit in. No, but perfectly. he might. They just got rid of Christian Wood, right? So. But see, that's what I'm saying. With that's what I'm saying too with Chet. Chet yeah. now, if he went to Houston and dropped to three because yep. Christian Wood is gone, and now we've seen what Sangoon who 
Again, let me make another call. I think Sangoon will be the most improved player next year. Guy's been working out with Akeem Olajuwon. They really love him. I think that's why they were okay with letting go of Christian Wood like that for basically nothing because they're going to take this kid. If it's yeah. not Zion, if it's not fucking A, did you see Zion, by the way? Woo. This kid is ready. Thank God, Zion. Like, Oh, my God. You. I'm so excited for that, too. He looks great. But like, oh you were saying, like we were saying, Houston, Sangoon, they all fit in perfectly. Yeah. I just think Chet has kind of forced his way to OKC. Unless Orlando has some crazy deal from whether it's Detroit or whether it's the Pacers or whether it's one of these teams that's going to throw everything at them to get Chet, I think the order is going to go like this. Jabari Smith, Chet, and then Paolo to Houston. That's fair. What do you and think? Honestly, if I'm the GM of, the, of Orlando, it will be really tough for me to pass on Paolo mm-hmm. because he is the really? safest. He's the safest mm-hmm. of the three. If you just think about the floor, right? We, mm-hmm. we always look at ceiling when you're drafting. But if you think about the floor in the basement, at the very least, Paolo should be able to play for eight to ten years, right? At yeah. the very least. And we don't know that about Jabari, and we don't know that about Chet. So to me, Paolo is the safest bet. And so if I'm the GM and I want to keep my job, <laughs> I can go, you know what? turns out Paolo wasn't the best. He, it turns out Chet was, was better or whoever, whoever mm-hmm. it is that turns out to be better. But how can you blame me? Look at Paolo. He's still here. He's here for 10 years. Mm-hmm. He's averaging 16 and 10 or whatever it is. You know, I just think the kid is tough. I think he's tough. I think he's ready. And, and, and this is a fun draft. You know, I haven't been excited about a draft like this because there is so much. There's, there's a lot out there. There is a lot out there and there's and a lot of variables. Uh, but if I'm, I think if I'm Orlando, I'm going with the safe pick unless they, you know, as a unit, as a, as an organization, they go, you know, we have to choose Jabari or we have so, to choose. Chet so to make this, we're... so to make this clear, you're going one, two, three is going to be Paolo, Chet, Jabari. Yep. And I think that's actually, honestly, if we're, if we're removing the future and the, and all of this shit, like if we're just looking at them as players, I think that's, that's probably where they are currently. It's not where they might be in five years, but it's where they are now, in my, in my opinion. And I think that's fair. I think that's a good call. I still think it's going to go Jabari, Chet, Paolo. I think that's it gonna seems have- like it seems like all the reports say that Orlando likes Jabari the most. But then again, also all three should be fine. Yeah. And then also, I think there's going to be some trades. I think people are going to be trading up. Um, but just remember what I said about Ivy. Okay. And also remember if he, if he lays an egg this year to call me out on this. Okay. <laughs> I will. But, but also I'll do it. I, I, we have some, we have some listeners that might do that for me, but I, I, I think, I think I can certainly jot that down. You wanted it on the board and I, you know, you stuck your neck out. So I like it. it. I, it's, we'll, du- we, it's duly noted, right? It's on the board. It's on the board. All right. So we got to talk about this. It's funny. We started this show and we're both wearing our, our, uh, custom clips and drew mood swings Kyrie t-shirt we didn't plan this we are being samesies right now yeah it's true and i'm i'm wearing it because i know a lot of people want to hear about i mean my take for the clippers your take for the lakers there's been a lot of chatter yep with with Kyrie this week shocking right shocking that Kyrie irving is in in the headlines <laughs> um and i think it's funny actually i don't think it's funny because i'm starting to feel really bad for kevin durant um you know, back in March, Drew, back in March, about, I don't know, a couple of weeks before they got swept, Kyrie does an interview in the locker room uh, in Brooklyn. And he says in the interview, for me, I'm quoting, for me, it has always been about being comfortable, loving where I'm at. And I love it here. I know once summertime hits, 
I know that that wheel, me, me and Kevin Durant, are going to have some conversations. But there is no way I can leave my man seven anywhere, right? And this is kind of seven being Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah, he's number seven now for all the all the people that can't follow. <laughs> he's changed his number. This is so par for the course for Kyrie. Did he not say in Cleveland, oh, I'm never leaving Cleveland? Yeah. <laughs> Says it in Boston, oh, I'm staying Boston. If and you, in Brooklyn. If you'll have me back. If you'll have me back. They I'll wanted stay. you back. <laughs> no, you're gone. Psych. And, and now we're in we're in BK where he gets everything he wants. Gets to play with his homeboy. Three gets seasons. To take half the season off. <laughs> in three seasons, he's only played 103 out of 226 games, right? And there is some there's some beef with this contract extension. Let me explain what the contract is with Brooklyn. As of June 29th, it's the deadline to opt in or decline the $36.5 million player option for 22-23. If he opts in, he's eligible for four years, $196 million extension or play out the 2023 season uh, and become a free agent. If he declines, sorry, he becomes a free agent and then he's eligible for a five-year, $250 million deal with the Nets. Now the Nets, and rightfully so, don't know what to do with this cat right now. And they're not on, they don't know what to do. They're both pretty far away from like coming up with an, with an idea of what's going to happen. Yeah. So then of course the media and it's something, we need something to talk about. Finals is over draft, you know, was a week away at the time. Woj comes out and Shams comes out with, and this is what I think is funny. Cause I, I people jump the gun so quick on this. They come out with posts that say Clippers will be intrigued if Kyrie Irving may become a free free agent, agent, right? (laughs) And I'm like, and then everybody jumps on, oh shit, Kyrie's coming to the Clippers. I'm like, yo, read the fine print. And it's like, no shit, Woj. Every team that's worth a shit in NBA basketball, if Kyrie Irving is a free agent or is available, should be inquiring and checking the ticket and seeing what the ticket price is for Kyrie. Yeah. Okay. I held a a page on, I held a poll on my page uh, seeing what Clipper Nation had had thought about, because my our boy uh, Tomer Azarli, you know, asked the question. I thought it was a good question to ask. Yeah. Was would would we want Kyrie Irving on our team? And as much as I want to scream from the rooftops, hell no, keep this guy away from our team. We have to be realistic and, and think about this shit. Okay, we got to think about shit. He's a generational talent, top ten guy, right? Like best best three-point guards in the NBA when playing, right? Yep, that's fair. That's fair. So our front office should look into it and see what it's going to cost. Is it going to cost Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, and Brandon Boston? Nah, I don't want to do it. Should we Should we sacrifice our the future of our, our team for Kyrie Irving? No. But I'm going to play devil's advocate both ways on this really quick, Drew, and then I'll, I want to get your opinion on what you think about the Lakers. Now, what version of Kyrie was best Kyrie? Uh, last year, Cleveland. Cleveland Kyrie, right? Who was the coach? Eric, was it Brown? Ty, Tyron Lue was the coach. Oh, Ty Lue, baby. Ty Lue, of course. How could I forget? Ty, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read a couple. They ran through things. a lot of coaches, by the way. They, so they it, was, it, was tough, it was a tough it was a <laughs> kind of roll of the dice. There's, there's a lot of people um, on the Clippers, in the Clippers organization, who have ties to Kyrie Irving, okay? Meaning that if he's going to be vouched for – to at least make an effort to try to get this guy, this these would be the guys to bring it up. So Ty Lue, Irving's former coach, 
from Cleveland is now head coach of the Clippers. Jay Laranaga was the assistant coach in Boston and with Team USA when Irving was there. He's also on the Clippers staff. Sean Fine, the Clippers player development guru, uh, was with the Nets during Irving's first year in Brooklyn. Clippers assistant Larry Drew, a mentor and close friend of Ty Lue, spent several years in Cleveland with Irving. Player development coach Dante Jones was a teammate of Irving. Yep. Trent Redden, the assistant general manager for the Clippers, was in the Cleveland Cavaliers front office when they selected Kyrie Irving first overall in 2011. Okay, There's a lot of people in our organization that have dealt with Kyrie Irving. Do I think that he might feel most comfortable playing on the Clippers? I, I do. Uh, it's about the vouching process. I believe in our front office. If they honestly come to the conclusion that it's worth giving up X, X amount of players to get Kyrie Irving, I would be okay with it. Okay. Mm. However, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think any of it's going to happen. I think Kyrie's going to opt into the $37 million and play another year in Brooklyn. Do you know what this, I know if anybody doesn't give a shit about their legacy, like what the fans or the media portray this guy to be, it's him. He doesn't give a, give a fuck. But if he bails on another fucking team, it is going to be, he is going to get ripped in the yep. media for years to come. You feel me on this? I do. So I don't want Kyrie Irving. We just saw what the Golden State Warriors did. Chemistry is everything. And we, we are just not, saw, we, just, we also just saw what Boston did to Kyrie and Kevin Durant. 100%. Which was a sweep. <laughs> 100%. So, and, this, and this team, Drew, and I'll, I'll say, I mean, I'm making a lot of claims right now. This Clipper team right now is by far the best Clipper team ever assembled mm -hmm. from top to bottom, from one to 12. This is the best Clipper team that we have ever seen. We got chemistry. We also have aspirations and expectations of winning an NBA championship next year. If we are healthy, we will be competing for an NBA championship next year. And I don't want anything that's going to mess this up. Yep. Like those really successful teams, like the Warriors, we've, we're, we're building something. We, you know, why would we get rid of Terrence Mann and, and Luke Kennard right now? Why would we? So, no, I don't want Kyrie Irving. I don't want him anywhere near my team. But shit, man, if, if, if Paul and Kawhi and Ty and the front office signed off on it, I'd be open to it. I'd be like, all right, that's what they want to do. So, no, I don't think I don't want, I don't want Kyrie, and I don't think he will be a Clipper next year. What about you? A lot of talk. Hold on. The quote was today from Woj. Uh, it was viable source that there are possible rumblings of conversations with LeBron and Kyrie this week. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they're homies. They yeah. fucking talk. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. what do you think? Well, the Lakers are in a very different position than the Clippers are currently at this, at this stage, right? We swung for the fences with Westbrook and we struck out at least for last year. What I will, what I will say is apparently um, the Lakers offered Westbrook and THT for Malcolm Brogdon and got denied. denied. The Pacers said, no, thank you. <laughs> nope. Nope. We're good. That's not good. Okay. No. So that's, that's, that's starting off rough. Now in the position that the Lakers are in, I, I actually, I think you, you might've brought it up jokingly a couple podcasts ago, maybe even before the finals. And I was like, give me Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook right fucking now. And that is still how I feel. 
if Kyrie wants to come to the Lakers, wants to reunite with LeBron, and it means we get off of Russ, dude, I am so in. I am so fucking in. I'll give him THT. I'll, I, I, you know, we're, we're keeping Austin Reeves. We got to keep. We got to keep the AR fifteen. But literally anybody else other than like AD and Braun, whatever it takes with with Russell Westbrook <laughs> to get uh, Kyrie, I am I am fully on board because it just doesn't get much worse than what we experienced last year. Right. That was just brutal. Even the games that we won, it was not fun. It was not entertaining. I did not enjoy it. Russell Westbrook's best play was him dunking on Gobert. That was that was a good that was a good dunk. The hell of a dunk, but that was it, and that happened once, and there was not a lot of those to be had during the course of the season. So yes, I'm very very excited about the potential rumblings of the conversations <laughs> of the potential potential potential. So I'm in. I'm fucking. I'm in. I'm so in. I, yep. I might I might actually lose my mind if it happens. Because we we took a giant leap backwards, you know, last year, last year was rough, bro. Um, And I can tell you what, you know, if AD's shooting woes are going to continue, we had trouble scoring the basketball last year. And if Kyrie can do one thing, he can put the ball in the hole much better than Russell Westbrook can at this stage. And probably better than Anthony Davis can right now, too. (laughs) Okay, but two Uh, things, two things, though, Drew. Like if you can, if you can't trade Russell for Malcolm Brogdon, you're not going to get Kyrie Irving back. There's this like is the problem. No way. That's that's the problem. Is that why would the Nets want Russell West? Why would they want that? Instead? They don't. And they then don't want that. And then it's KD and Russell back again, which back again. KD doesn't want. And then and KD's locked in, so it might only have to be one year, Russ. Right? Like, but. You know, it, that's, you know, I, I really, I mean, as much as I am excited about these rumblings, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee this happening no. because that means they have to take Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I, just I can't, that just doesn't make sense. Right. And so I think through all of this, would you do AD for Kyrie? No, absolutely okay. not. Okay. No way. Um, even though Kyrie might play more games <laughs> next year. I mean, you know, who knows? But, but, but I will say this will be the first season in a couple that Kyrie won't have any excuses to, to miss games. That's all done and dusted now, right? We're out of the bubble. New York has lifted the ban. The only real place he's got to worry about is Toronto. Uh, and, you know, if you're on the West Coast, you only play them once. Uh, really up until, you know, potentially a finals matchup, that would be the, like the worst case scenario, but you only play them in Toronto once if you're on the West coast, not like he has to in the East, but uh, yeah, man, I I'm in, I'm in. If we can pull off the, the fucking switcheroo, I'm totally down. It's just not realistic. And it's not, I don't believe it's going to happen. Yeah. So can we both agree that Kyrie opts in and does not leave KD and they, he doesn't leave his man seven because he's comfortable in BK. <laughs> Yeah, he's not. I don't. I. I, I think the, the 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 likeliest outcome is what you're saying. He stays in Brooklyn, whether it be for for one year, and he just rides this out, and then see, you know, if he can earn the trust back of the organization, and, and uh, play his ass off for a season, and and then earn that four or five year deal afterwards. Great. Yeah, you uh, you can't or, pay or, him or if they or if they come to some sort of agreement where they say, look, you know, we'll give you an extension, but it's not going to be the two fifty. It's not going to be the one ninety six. 
you gotta, you gotta, you gotta prove it to us. <laughs> I did, I also don't know what clauses they can put in. They were talking about having a clause yeah. of games played clause. Yeah, and I think that's fair. It with has the, to be. It has to be fair to the organization. It has to yes. be fair. I completely agree. Yeah. I also think that, I mean, it's hard to sign him to a long term. I'm saying long term as four or five years. It's hard to do that, man. I think it's the two and one that you that you have to do. Whether it's seventy two, you know. Two for 75 or fucking 80 if you have to do that. I don't know. But you do, there is a bright spot, Drew. There is light at the end of the tunnel for you. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. It's because Kendrick Nunn opted into his deal. So oh, you should God be really, you should be really excited. God damn it. Kendrick Nunn played less games than Kyrie last year. He played a total of zero games last year. We're going to pay this man $10 million for less games than anybody. He opted in though, Drew. You're good. So yeah, we got Kendrick Nunn. So all is good. All is good. We're going to, I think we're going to win a championship now. You're fine at the point guard position, bro. Take a deep breath. <laughs> exhale. You're perfectly fine. The missing piece. The missing piece. Kendrick Nunn. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts, Drew. We need final thoughts. So my final thought will be uh, with my, with my guy from Arizona, Benedict Matherin. Let's go. I fucking love this kid. He uh, has, has kind of uh, really elevated in the draft. Uh, there's a lot of mock drafts recently. Um, and, and my final thought is very simple. I just hope this kid lands in a spot that will value him, in a spot that is beneficial to his development. And I just want to watch him go. Because, you know, while we're talking about all of these top prospects and he is amongst them. I think right now on a lot of people's boards, he's somewhere between five and 10. I think just like you have put your stamp on Jaden Ivy, I'm putting my stamp on, maybe he won't be the best player, but this kid will work his fucking ass off for whatever team that chooses him. And, and if you're in that spot from, you know, really from four to 10 or wherever he ends up, if you're passing on him, you better have some good intel on the guy that you take in front of him because he, you know, he had a, he had a, a pretty shitty go of it in U of A, right? He was there for Sean Miller's last year. We, we had a postseason ban. He comes back and he just puts in the work, man, and he has improved tremendously from his freshman year to his sophomore year. And he was our best player without a doubt this year. And Arizona ended their season in a disappointing fashion. But it was not because of him, even though he might, have, might not have played the best in that last game. I love um, players uh, that have that embody that kind of Mamba mentality, right? I'm a Laker guy. I'm an Arizona guy. And I just, I can see it with Benedict Matherin. He's not going to give up. He's not going to quit. I just think this kid's going to be a pro for a long time. He's going to get better. And whatever team that drafts him, treat him right, get him the minutes, and watch him grow. I love this kid. That's my final thought. Let's go, Benedict. You know, I like him too, man. I, uh, I might be crazy for saying this, and you'd be the perfect, perfect guy to bring this up for. I'll tell you where I drafted him too, where I have him on the draft. Okay. So he's the only one in my 14 that I've switched. I've switched hmm. once. So – I had him, my gut and my heart wanted him to go eight to the Pelicans because I'm like, put him on the young, the young core. Yeah. 
Guy likes to hit people. It likes yeah. to hit people on the cut. He could take it to the rack. He'll run the floor with these guys, put him and Zion together. Love to see it. Yeah. But I, I had him moving up, switching with Jeremy Sohan on Indiana. Just be, And Indiana was the hardest pick for me because yep. I we don't know what Brogdon's going to be There's gone. a lot up in Curtis, the air. There yeah. is. So I don't know. But I think he'd be great in Indiana too. Yep. Um, and that's with the sixth pick. I also feel that I like him as much as you do. He reminds me a lot, and I know you can slap me in the face, dude, but he reminds me a lot of, of Damian Lillard, okay, especially coming out. He's got a great work ethic. Yep. He can the, his stroke is really nice coming off a screen, pulling up. He's really good at that. And then I brought this guy up on a on a podcast a little while ago, but he also reminded me a lot of a more athletic Ben Gordon. It's just a, a little smaller. He can dunk on people. Uh, got a nice stroke, but I think you're right, Drew. I think any team this guy goes to, I don't see him going. I mean, Detroit, no, at five. I think Indiana. Or the Pelicans, I don't see Portland taking him. It all, I think, it all kind of depends on what Sacramento does, mm-hmm. uh, and if you know, you know Jaden Ivey is is I would say a better prospect currently than Benedict Matherin, right? Mm-hmm. Like the ceiling is there, but the floor, I'm I'm leaning more on Benedict than I am on Jaden Ivey, and I think you know if Mike Brown, the new head coach of the Kings, doesn't want to take somebody that's going to compete with the likes of De'Aaron Fox and all of that nonsense. He can slide right in and play good defense alongside of De'Aaron Fox, stretch the floor. Uh, and and if, if Sacramento feels like they're going to get a guard out of this, then maybe they go that route. But I do think it kind of hinges on what they do, Sacramento. And, of course, that pick has – a lot has been made about that pick being traded, the number four pick, where Sacramento might just trade back. Uh, but there is a lot of suitors. And I think the thing that I'm trying to say, all 30 teams should want this kid. Mm-hmm. All 30 teams should want a guy like him who had to get it out the mud, who came from a place that not too many NBA players come from in, in Canada. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't care where he goes. I'll be a fan of his forever. I don't think I, I think you might be right with Sacramento trading. I think they're so scared to make this pick. They don't want to fuck this up. And I really do think they're going to fuck it up. I think they're going to go with yep. fit over overtaking the better player. That's why they're going to take Keegan Murray instead of Jaden Ivey. And then, but to see Ivey go to Detroit with Cade Cunningham is something I really want to see. So that could be cool too. That'd be great. But, and I also think, I mean, as, as much as you say, maybe it doesn't work. Benedict doesn't work for Detroit. I think he could also play off of, off of Cade really well. Right. If you're just looking at it from that perspective, I think he, him and Cade could do, could do a pretty good job. My final thoughts are going to be really quick, Drew, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, June 21st was our five-year anniversary. Five year. And this is the longest relationship I've ever been in, in my life. This (laughs) podcast is the longest anniversary or longest relationship I have ever been in, in my life. And I got to say, man, so June 21st was our, was the, the five-year anniversary of our first podcast where we were absolutely horrible. We were drinking six packs and just shooting the shit, talking basketball. Our audio was all kinds of fucked up. Yep. Um, that was the Tatum draft. That was the Tatum Lonzo. I don't know. He's too small. Then he turns out to be six, nine. Like what the hell happened to this kid? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not Lonzo. So we were talking about LaMelo in high school. Like, how's this kid even going to be a kid? Anyways. Yep. Um, it's been a long time, man. And you know, I was reading stats. I put it on our page yesterday, but like, no, 95% of these things fail less than 20% 
of podcasts that you hear today aren't going to be there tomorrow. We're five years deep, 242 plus episodes in. Uh, got a deal with basketballnews.com. It's been a long time, man. Five years is a long time. And I'm really, really fucking proud of how far we've come. And again, like, just want to thank everybody that, that, that listens to us and um, supports us and engages with us and tells people about us. It means a lot, man. And we work hard at this stuff. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of research. This, the, this isn't just turning on microphones and, and, and editing and social media posts and all of this, this watching games. I mean, the hours that we have to put into this yeah. to provide entertainment for everybody else. This isn't like some shit we do to stroke our own ego at all, even though it's nice when people like the show, we do it because we're good at it and people like it. So five years, it's a true accomplishment. I think it's the wood anniversary. So I will be making you a fucking birdhouse or something. <laughs> a birdhouse. <laughs> I think I'll make you a birdhouse, dude, but I'm just really proud of us, Drew. So sometimes we got to pat ourselves on the back and it's been, it went fast. That's what I was going to say, man. It's, it's hard to believe that that was five years ago when this all started. Um, it, it is, it's fucking cool, man. It's cool. I, uh, I love doing this with you. And uh, yeah, I just, I mean, the only reason we're still doing this is because we have people out there that care people out there that, that actually listen. And, um, and it, and it's because of, of the listeners and obviously our passion for this, right. Our passion for this, I would be watching as many games as, as, as I would with or without this podcast, but you know, it's those, <laughs> it's those spurs, uh, it's the Spurs versus Orlando games where I'm like, oh, no, I probably shouldn't. I probably I probably wouldn't be watching that. Keldon Johnson is quite the shooter. <laughs> hey, but uh, here's to five more years, my dude. It's uh, it's been a, it's been a hell of a ride and we're just getting started, I think, still. Hell yeah. We appreciate everybody listening to the show. We're going to be back shortly. Uh, I think NBA landscape is going to be changing in, in the next uh, couple of days here. We're going to let you know where players end up. Uh, where's Kyrie? We're going to be on Kyrie watch for you. We don't care. Just, just choose Brooklyn, Kyrie. Just stay in Brooklyn, bro. Stay in Brooklyn, Kyrie. Spare us all. Get them some help. Get the Steve Nash, get, get Kyrie some help. Somebody, please. somebody help Kevin Durant. This poor guy. Hey, it's the follow through Eclipse and Drew. We're ghosts.